Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're breaking down week 10 of the college football season. We are breaking down the Saturday main slate for the noon Eastern time slate on Saturday, November 4th. It's a pretty interesting slate in terms of the games we've got, and it's a real interesting slate in terms of the pricing that DraftKings has given us. We're going to break that down. We're going to break down the games that you want to target to get guys into your lineups, and then we're going to talk the top plays at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver that will hopefully help you guys in your lineups, win yourself some money this week playing DFS. Now, if you like what you hear on this podcast, you're really going to like what we do with college basketball, which is coming back next week. So make sure you are subscribed to either the YouTube channel or the audio feed, however you get this podcast. Um, and you'll be notified when new episodes drop. We are going to be back for college basketball season with almost daily episodes breaking down each DFS slate. Um, so you're not going to want to miss that. So make sure you're subscribed so you can get that notification. And if you like what you see on this channel in general, please like the video and subscribe. Like it really helps me out a lot. We're almost at 200 subscribers on YouTube, which I think is a pretty good accomplishment considering we really just started doing YouTube in June. Um, but yeah, any support helps and you guys are going to want to be here for college basketball season. College basketball DFS is one of my favorite DFS games to play. Uh, we're hoping to make it a profitable year. Also, the weekly NFL and golf episodes are currently audio only. So if you are watching on YouTube, um, click the link in the description for Spotify or Apple so you can make sure that you get the audio feed um, for the golf and the NFL episodes weekly. Uh, with my schedule right now, it's been a little bit difficult to find time to sit down and record the YouTube version of all three. So we're really just specializing in college football and then college basketball for the YouTube videos right now. All right, that does it for the introduction. So let's go ahead and take a look at this slate and take a look at the games that we're going to want to target for Saturday. All right, so taking a look at the board here of the games uh, with the lines courtesy of FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, I can say this because DraftKings has released the slate. FanDuel has not yet, but DraftKings did a pretty good job of picking the games this slate. There's a lot of games that are pretty juicy, a lot of games that are going to be fun to watch and fun to play guys from, as opposed to like the Iowa-Minnesota game or like the Iowa-Northwestern game this week. Uh, just There's a lot of boring games that were left off the slate this week, and I appreciate DraftKings for that. Now, in terms of games to talk there are two projected blowouts this slate, and they're pretty big projected blowouts. The first one is going to be Florida State taking on Pitt. Florida State blew out Wake Forest this week. Wake Forest is better than Pitt, so it stands to reason that this Florida State-Pitt game is going to be a blowout, and it is implied to be a total of Florida State 36-15, to 15. Um, and I kind of buy that getting there. I kind of buy Florida State getting the 36 points. They are the uh, second highest, or I'm sorry, they are the highest implied team total on the slate, um, so that's definitely a team that you're going to want to um, get into your lineups because they're going to score some points on Saturday. Um, the other blowout, and this one's actually not a super duper blowout, is Missouri taking on Georgia. Georgia's 15 and a half point favorites, um, and the game is implied to be about 35 to 20 in favor of Georgia. So this Georgia offense is implied to score about five touchdowns. Last year, Missouri gave Georgia absolutely all they could handle. It was 26 to 22 um, in in Missouri, as opposed to this game being uh, in Sanford Stadium. Um, so I definitely think that Georgia is going to be able to win this game, um, and Georgia is going to be able to put up some points. But don't discount Missouri. You know, they've got an implied 20-point total, and, you know, this offense can put up some points. So while I do think that I'm putting this one in the blowout category, I don't necessarily think Missouri is just going to get run rough shot over. I think they're going to be able to, you know, score a few touchdowns this week. Now, there are a few shootout games this week. There's quite a few, actually. First one's going to be in the SEC. We got Texas A&M taking on 
Ole Miss. Um, and that one is implied to be about 28 to 25 in favor of Ole Miss. The line has actually moved on this one a little bit. The total is getting bet up to 54 and a half now. Last year, Ole Miss won this game uh, 31 to 28. In that game, Quinshawn Judkins ran for 200 yards. For Texas A&M, Devin A-Chain, or A-Chan, I guess he's saying it's pronounced now, ran for 138 yards, and Connor Weigman threw for over 300. Moose Muhammad uh, kind of came out of nowhere, had eight catches for 112 yards and a touchdown uh, for Texas A&M. So this game featured some fireworks last year. I definitely think it can feature some fireworks this year. Texas A&M does not have Connor Weigman at the helm, but this Mississippi offense with Jack's dart at quarterback and Quinshawn Judkins at running back has been pretty doggone good. Um, and so I I definitely do think there is going to be some points scored in this one. There's a few guys that we're going to talk about from this game. Kansas State at Texas is another one. It's implied to be about 27 to 23 in favor of Texas. This one is going the other way. The line was previously about 52. Now it's sitting at 50.5, so it's getting bet down, um, which is no shocker because Texas is playing a backup quarterback and Kansas State is playing two quarterbacks. So this is not exactly the game you want to play a quarterback from. However, both these teams love to run the football. Last year, Texas won this game 34 to 27, and Bijan Johnson and Roshan I'm sorry, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson totaled about 270 yards and two rushing touchdowns between them. Um, so Texas was able to really run the ball on Kansas State last year. They have a definite advantage in the trenches on the offensive and defensive lines, and I think they will use that to their advantage again this year. Even with the backup quarterback, I think Texas will be able to effectively run the ball against Kansas State. Now, one of my favorite games of the slate, and I was really happy to see DraftKings include this one, was James Madison taking on Georgia State. James Madison, if you're not aware, came up from the FCS level two years ago and they're really good like they've really kind of um taken it in stride moving up in level and and they just they look good like they look like they belong they don't look like an FCS team playing in the FBS um they're currently five point favorites at Georgia State and this game's projected to be about 30 to 25 in favor of James Madison. The game last year was 42 to 40. Um, and, you know, we've, it features Georgia State with pretty much the same offense that they had last year. Same quarterback, same running back, same receivers, except for Jamari Thrash. Um, and then James Madison does have a new quarterback, but both these teams can put up some points. Very happy to see this one here on the DraftKings slate. But the number one game to target and the highest total on the DraftKings slate on Saturday is Bedlam. Oklahoma taking on Oklahoma State. It's implied to be about 34 to 28 in favor of Oklahoma. So both these teams are projected to get four touchdowns. Um, and 11 of the last 13 matchups in this game have seen 54 or more points scored. So you've got a rivalry where historically there's a ton of points scored. You've got two offenses that are both scoring a lot of points right now. Both operate at a fast tempo, so you're going to get a lot of plays. This is just a dream scenario for DFS, and there's a lot of guys in this game that you can get into your lineups. All right, so let's go ahead and transition now and talk about quarterbacks. So before we talk about the specific quarterback plays, I want to talk about DraftKings' pricing in general for this Saturday slate. This is a very affordable Saturday slate. And what I mean by that is when you look at the top of the board, there are no quarterbacks above $9,000. There are no running backs above $8,000. There's only one wide receiver above $8,000, but there's only three active wide receivers who are $7,000 or higher. So what you're looking at is without there being like the super duper expensive options at the top, like we've seen in weeks past with say, you know, a Caleb Williams or a Bo Nix or a Blake Corum at running back, there's going to be plenty of ways to build a legit lineup this week without having to dip too far down. Like I think this week you can really play two of the quarterbacks you want 
play two of the running backs you want and just find a way to find you know two or three value wide receivers um, and then you can even be able to spend up on the last one so I think this is going to be a really interesting slate in terms of how people play it because nobody is really priced out this week in my opinion now Jordan Travis is the top quarterback on the board on DraftKings that should come as no surprise he's He's pretty good, um, and I've kind of been hating on Florida State all season, but they kind of just keep taking care of business. I still don't think they've really beaten anybody who's all that good, um, so it's kind of yet to see if they actually are that good, but hey, they, they keep winning. That's all you can do, right? Also, Jordan Travis sounds like the name of a country singer. Um, I kind of can't get over that. It sounds like the name of a country singer who would open up for Morgan Wallen, um, but anyway, uh, he's pretty good at football, and he's averaging... Uh, 27 fantasy points per game on the year. He's hit at least 26 fantasy points on DraftKings in his last three games. And one thing that's interesting to me when you play Jordan Travis is really when you play a lot of quarterbacks, if you play GPPs on DraftKings and FanDuel, ask yourselves, how is this guy going to get to their ceiling? What does this guy do that is going to allow them to hit their maximum amount of fantasy points, right? And, you know, when they hit their ceiling, do they do it by running the ball? Do they do it by passing it? And when they're passing it, do they spread it around? Do they feature one guy? You know, who comes with them on their path to their ceiling? Because that'll determine how you stack them up and if you play a game stack on the other side. So... With Jordan Travis, he had a near ceiling game against Wake Forest with 38 fantasy points. And that game was a blowout. It was a 25-point win for Florida State. And in that game, Jordan Travis scored nine fantasy points with his legs. He got his 300-yard bonus on DraftKings, threw for three uh, passing touchdowns. But he only got one wide receiver over 52 receiving yards. He actually did have a back who had over 52 receiving yards, but only one wide receiver over 52 receiving yards. So with this game being implied Florida State 36 points, yes, I absolutely think Jordan Travis could have a ceiling game. And in terms of how he got to his ceiling last time, I am not going to pair him with two or three wide receivers, and I'm not going to play a run back on the pit side of things because Jordan Travis has shown the ability that when he gets to his ceiling, he can do it in a blowout and he can do it with bringing one wide wide receiver with him. So Jordan Travis, definitely a guy who you can play this week, but not a guy who I'm going to play like four guys from the Florida State offense with. Dylan Gabriel is the second quarterback on the board, and he actually averages about four fantasy points per game more than Jordan Travis, which is kind of surprising that he's priced up less than him. And his team has only implied two less points on the slate than Florida State, but the game environment is going to be much closer. So you could see a shootout game here in this Oklahoma, Oklahoma State matchup. Um, Dylan Gabriel, though, when he reaches his ceiling, it's because of his rushing and because of his touchdown totals. When you look at his biggest games, it, it's been like four or five total touchdowns accounted for from Gabriel. Does he have the chance to do that here? Yes. Oklahoma State is implied 35 points against Oklahoma State, um, or Oklahoma is implied 35 points against Oklahoma State. So yes, Gabriel can absolutely reach his ceiling. Um, I have no problem playing Gabriel um, as well. And in fact, I think if you wanted to get really aggressive, I do think it's possible to play both Travis and Gabriel in your lineups, I think you can save enough salary elsewhere that you can do that. Carson Beck is a guy that has to be talked about. Um, he has a pretty good matchup against Missouri. Um, they've given up a lot of uh, fancy points to quarterbacks this year. They gave up 27 fancy points to Memphis's Seth Hennigan, 22 fancy points to Kansas State's Will Howard, and 44 fancy points to LSU's Jaden Daniels. Now, Carson Beck is no Jaden Daniels because Jaden Daniels did that by 
Um, a lot of rushing fantasy points. Carson Beck is not going to run. I don't even know if he has like 30 rushing yards on the season. But Carson Beck has actually hit his 300-yard bonus on DraftKings in four of the last five games. If he gets the 300 yards, if he counts for two, three, maybe even four touchdowns, he's going to be a pretty solid play. Uh, so Carson Beck is a guy that even though his passing volume and his rushing volume are going to be less than a lot of the other quarterbacks priced around him, I definitely don't mind going to him against a Missouri team who has been pretty porous in the secondary, if I must say so. Now, looking down the board from here, Talia Tagovailoa is going to be a pass for me. Um, just taking on Penn State, that's a really good defensive team. And if you don't have to play a guy going up against a good defense, then don't. And so I'm just going to pass on him this week. Penn State hasn't given up more than 24 real-life points to any team, and they haven't given up more than 21 fantasy points to any quarterback. Um, it's just going to be a slow slog of a game. Um, so Talia Tagovailoa is off my list, and on the other side, Drew Auer is actually going to be off of my list as well. Now, a guy I'm going to play a lot of, though, is going to be Jordan McLeod of James Madison, taking on Georgia State. Um, and Georgia State's defense does not defend the pass very well at all. They give up an average of 282 passing yards per game, and they just gave up 24 fantasy points to Davis Brin of Georgia Southern. I don't think Davis Brin is as good of a fantasy option as Jordan McLeod is. Jordan McLeod has hit 24 fantasy points or more in his last five games. That pretty much aligns with the start of conference play. So I think Jordan McLeod has a really high floor and he does have a chance for a ceiling game as well because he's a guy who can give you upside with both his arm and his legs. Now, after that, I'm kind of out this week on Will Howard, Brady Cook, and Cade Klubnik. Um, I just don't really – I would rather – pay a little bit more for Jordan McLeod or Carson Beck than, than play them or pay down for a few other guys below them. Uh, I just think they're priced kind of weird. Um, don't have great matchups, not guys that I'm going to be interested in. Again, if you don't have to play a guy going up against a good defense, then don't. Jax Dart is a guy that I'm interested in in game stacks only. This temp or Texas A&M and Mississippi game can absolutely ping pong back and forth and feature a lot of scoring, but Mississippi runs the ball a lot, and ever, especially ever since they started conference play, they've been a really run-heavy team. Um, and so Jack Dart definitely not going to have as much passing volume as some of the other top tier guys on here. After that, Graham Mertz of Florida, I think is a sneaky play. Coming over from Wisconsin, like I just didn't think he was any good. I didn't think he was even going to win out this starting job at Florida, but he's been deceptively good this season. Uh, and he's playing a defense uh, in Arkansas that's not very good at all. BYU, LSU, and Texas A&M all put up 30 plus points against Arkansas. At his salary, Graham Mertz only has one game where he's hit three times value, and three times value is really like the minimum you want to cash in GPPs on DraftKings and FanDuel. But in that game that he hit three times value, he hit well over four times value with 33 fantasy points against South Carolina. If he passes for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns, he's going to give you value at only $7,200. I don't think he's a terrible play at $7,200. However, the popular value play this week is going to be Darren Granger of uh, Georgia State. He's taking on James Madison, who gives up an average of 280 passing yards per game. Granger, like Jordan McLeod on the other side, is a guy who can do it with his legs and his arm. Um, he has three games over 30 fantasy points this season, and he averages over 10 carries per game. I think you're going to see a lot of lineups that are going to feature either Jordan McLeod or Darren Granger. With both of them being popular, getting it right is going to be important. I think I would rather play McLeod in terms of a raw points basis, but I think Granger might be the better price adjusted play than Jordan McLeod. But I think both of them are definitely in play. I think game stacking the two of them is definitely in play. Sam Hartman and KJ Jefferson are down here in the 6K range, and they're good quarterbacks who have been very disappointing in fantasy this season. Um, 
but I did. I think they could definitely hit value. Like you're looking at a price tag for Sam Hartman, where you know 21 fantasy points is going to hit value, and that's a total that he could very easily get to against Clemson. I don't think Clemson's very good defensively, um, and Sam Hartman was killing it at the start of the season. Just hasn't really gotten you know a whole lot of passing volume or a whole lot of success through the air lately. Um, but hey, I definitely think there's a chance he could hit value, and I don't think he's going to be very popular. Now, of the value quarterbacks, there are a lot of them here in this 6K range that, that are in play. Um, you got Jack Plummer, Zach Larrier, Kyron Drones, Malik Murphy, Alan Bowman, and Max Johnson. At their cheap price tags, all of them could hit value. All of them could be solid value plays. So the question is, which one is the most likely to hit value that you could play in cash, and which one has the highest ceiling? Well, I think the one that would be most likely to hit value in cash would be Alan Bowman of Oklahoma State. You know, we talked about how they're implied 28 points. Um, they run a super up-tempo offense. There's going to be a ton of passing volume, at least 34 passing attempts in all five games that Alan Bowman has started. He's going to have plenty of chances to put up fancy points taken on Oklahoma. The one who I think has the best chance at a ceiling game, though, is Kyron Drones of Virginia Tech. First off, check the injury news on Grant Wells. Make sure he's not playing before you play Kyron Drones. But Drones is a guy that does a lot of running. He's had at least 56 yard rushing in his last three games, and he does have the chance for a ceiling game against a Louisville defense that can be kind of vulnerable to mobile quarterbacks. So Kyron Drones would probably be the guy out of this group that I would prefer in a GPP setting. All right, that does it for the quarterback positions. Let's take a quick breather and then talk about some running backs. All right, so before we talk about the running back position, I did want to tell you guys, if you want more from me, if you want to know my thoughts on any specific plays, you want to know who makes my core, you know, if injury news, you know, lineup news changes my thoughts or opinions, there are ways you can get more information from me because I am recording this on a Wednesday and the slate starts on a Saturday. First off, you can find me on X at Mike's Money Picks. I'm more than happy to answer any questions and I usually tweet out any um, updates or changes to, you know, the opinions that I have on here. I always tweet out the rundown for every college football DFS slate as well. I'm also in the Fantasy Corner Discord. Link is in the description on YouTube. Got a lot of smart people in there who play a lot of DFS. The NBA chat in there is really popping. It's really helped me get better NBA, which is not one of my better sports. But we talk college football, NBA, NFL, all that. Link is in the description. And then lastly, I write a full article for every college football DFS slate outlining my core, outlining my lineup strategies, situations to monitor, you know, kind of info on each team. And I put them on my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. This includes the midweeks. So if you're playing DFS for midweek action, you know, the Thursday night games, the Friday night games, um, you know, subscribe to that Patreon and you're going to get the article for all of those slates. And when college basketball comes out, you're going to get them for all of those slates as well. Um, I cannot recommend it enough if you are somebody who likes reading articles about DFS strategy and lineups and, and that stuff. Now, lastly, if you're looking to try something new this college football season, um, head on over to signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks. We're partnering with Signup Expert, and what they do is they get you the best offers and promo codes for new users on any DFS player props and sportsbook sites, and it syncs to your area, so it only shows you what is available in your state or province. So if you're trying something new this year, signupexpert.com slash Mike's Picks, you'll get the best offer, and it'll also show me some support by using my links as well. All right, so let's go ahead and now break down the running back position. And this is a great slate to pay up at running back, in my opinion. I think there's some supremely good running backs that are 6K and above on this slate that I probably will find myself putting in my lineups more often than not. Top of the board is Jonathan Brooks of Texas. And look, I get it. He's been really, really solid this season. You know, at least 23 fantasy points in his last five games. Um, you know, he's seen pretty much a guaranteed of 20 touches. He's 
He's used in the passing game with 17 catches in his last three games. Um, and even when he doesn't find the end zone, he can still give you pretty good performance against Houston. He didn't get his 100-yard bonus or score a touchdown, and he still got 23 fantasy points. Uh, and then if you think about the matchup specifically, Texas dominated Kansas State on the ground last season, which we went over in uh, the games, the target section. So if Jonathan Brooks can deliver another Bijan Robinson-like performance, he can definitely pay off even that lofty price tag that he's at. CJ Baxter remains a little bit of a GPP play for me as well. He's Jonathan Brooks's backup. He's the change of pace back, and he sees just enough work in an offense that is good at running the football that I think he's viable in GPPs if you don't want to play Jonathan Brooks or if you want leverage on Jonathan Brooks. Second price running back on the board is Dejan Edwards, and I'm not going to lie, I would probably have him slightly below Jonathan Brooks and slightly below the next guy we're going to talk about, but he's been really solid. He's getting less touches than Brooks and the next guy we're going to talk about, a little bit of a teaser there, but he's been really solid this season, um, and when he's been active, he's pretty much been a lock for like 18 to 20 fantasy points. I think he's a great play in cash games. Uh, and Missouri has given up a 100-yard rusher at the running back position in two games this season. So I definitely think Dejan Edwards can make that three. And I definitely think he can pay off that price tag at $7,300. But I think objectively, the best running back play on the slate, the guy that's going to most likely finish on top at the running back position come Saturday at 7 p.m. is Ollie Gordon II of Oklahoma State. He has been on an absolute tear in his last three games. He's had at least 47 DraftKings points in his last three games. Yes, you heard that right. 47 DraftKings points in three games in a row. Two of them were over 50. And he has at least 25 carries in three straight games. He has 100 rushing yards in five straight games. He has been really, really good. And for whatever reason, DraftKings is keeping him here at $7,200. He should be like $9,200, if not $10,200. Like, I don't know how expensive he would have to be for me to not consider playing him, but I'm definitely going to be rolling him out, and a lot of other people are going to be rolling him out. Now, if your concern is that Oklahoma is a tougher matchup, yes, yes, it is a tougher matchup, but still, Think about his price tag and what his production has been. He's had at least 47 fantasy points in three straight. You take half of that, that's 23.5. That's still three times value for his salary on DraftKings. So if he just gets half of the production that he's been getting, he's going to hit value. That's just an absolutely absurd stat to me. And he is the absolute top running back play on the slate, regardless of price. Just know if you're playing him in GPPs, he is going to be very popular. However, you might need him because if he pops off for another 50 fantasy point performance, you're going to need him in that lineup no matter how popular he is. Next up is Audric Estime, who, you know, kind of continuing with the theme we talked about with the quarterbacks is what is this guy's path to a ceiling game? Well, he had a ceiling game against Pitt and he ran for, you know, 100 yards. He got his 100-yard bonus on DraftKings and he scored three touchdowns. So if you think Audric Estime is going to get to his 100-yard bonus and if you think he's going to score multiple touchdowns, then he's a solid play. And I think there's definitely a chance that that happens. Last year, Notre Dame absolutely destroyed Clemson on the ground. Last year, Audrey Estime ran for 100 yards against Clemson, and Logan Diggs ran for 100 yards against Clemson. Yes, the Logan Diggs that plays for LSU was in the Notre Dame backfield, and Audrey Estime and Logan Diggs were splitting carries, and both of them got 200 yards against Clemson. So if Notre Dame is able to have the same success on the ground that they did last year, then Audrey Estime is going to be a pretty solid play. And I think with a lot of people opting to play Ollie Gordon this week, I think this next little range of running back is going to come in very low owned, and so they might be guys that you can go to in GPPs for a little bit of leverage. Another guy in this range is Marcus Carroll. 
Marcus Carroll has been really, really good for Georgia State. He's like the unquestioned workhorse back, at least 26 carries in three straight games. But James Madison's run defense, like the stats are absurd. They give up less than 50 rushing yards a game. That's kind of insane this far through the season. So I don't know if it's a lack of teams actually trying to run the ball against them or the competition they've been playing or if their run defense is actually that good. But it definitely makes me second-guess Marcus Kerr a little bit. Definitely makes me want to target the Georgia State passing game as opposed to the running game this week. Quinshawn Judkins, though, is also in this range. He has a much better matchup. Like we said earlier, he ran for over 200 yards against Texas A&M last year. He's ran for 100 yards in three of his last four, um, and I definitely could see Quinshawn Judkins getting you that 100-yard bonus again, getting you multiple touchdowns against Texas A&M. I think he's a really solid play at only $6,900. Trey Benson and Jawar Jordan are guys that I'm going to kind of lump together. Um, they're two guys that have both had ceiling games so far this season. However, they've also had not ceiling games so far this season, but they're home run hitters who can break off long touchdowns, long receptions, and if they get you one of those long touchdowns, then they're going to be in pretty solid shape for hitting their ceiling, um, and I definitely think that both of them have a really good matchup. Trey Benson taking on a pit team that just gave up 36 fantasy points to Audric Estime, and then Juwar Jordan taking on a Virginia Tech team that doesn't defend much of anything, so I definitely think both these guys are in pretty solid shape. After that, we got to talk about Travion Henderson. So Travion Henderson has been quite the story all season long. In fact, all the Ohio State skill players and their injuries have been a story for them. And it's been really weird how they've managed it, how they've you know kind of not announced it. The lack of injury reporting in college football drives me absolutely crazy. Like there's beat reporters there at practice. Just let them say who's injured and who's not. But anyway, Travion Henderson is going to be in a backfield without Mayan Williams for the rest of the season which is good news for him. The last game that he played, Travion Henderson, was week nine against Wisconsin without Mayan Williams in the lineup. And he had 24 carries for 162 yards and a touchdown, good for 33.7 fantasy points. So if that's going to be kind of what Travion is going to be without Mayan Williams, then he's absolutely a guy that you need to get into your lineups. And I think he's priced as if he's in a committee when if Williams is out, I don't think this is actually that much of a committee if Travion Henderson is active. I think he has done a good job of when he's been healthy, separating himself from the other backs and making it less of a committee when he's out there. It's when he's been hurt that this backfield got into just a nasty, nasty committee where you were seeing Mayan Williams, you were seeing Chip Trainum, you were seeing uh, Dallin Hayden as well. And so I think if Henderson's active, he's the workhorse and he's the guy you want in your lineups. Now, Emmanuel Michelle and Basil Tudin are two guys that are guaranteed to see a pretty big workload. Michelle is the B-back in the Air Force triple option offense, so he's pretty much a lock to see 20 touches. However, if they get stuffed by an Army defense that knows how to defend the triple option because they run triple option too, um, then it's not going to be a great performance for him. He's, I love him long-term in this triple option offense, but I definitely think this week is not the week to play Michelle. There's something to be said about defending the triple option. It's so much different for every other offense that you're going to play against in college football. And Army knows how to defend it because they see it in practice every day. So I definitely think that this defense is going to have a little bit of an advantage against Air Force. And so this is probably not the week to play Emmanuel Michelle. But that being said, he's a guy who's guaranteed 20 plus touches. And if he breaks a long one, you're going to want him in your lineups. Basil Tudin is the other guy that I just mentioned. He's seen a pretty solid workload lately. Um, Louisville's not a super tough defense. I definitely would not mind going to Basil Tootin. 
Um, Oklahoma is a very interesting situation to monitor for running backs right now. They've got their top two running backs, Marcus Major and Tui Walker, questionable. Javante Barnes was the starter at the start of the season. He would be the guy that I would consider the favorite to see increased touches. You've also got Gavin Sawchuck in there as well. Both of them saw action against Kansas. They also used... Um, Jaleel Farouk at running back a little bit against Kansas. Um, that Kansas game was a really weird game because of the weather and the delay. Um, but So maybe don't read too much into that one specifically. But you definitely got, if Walker and Major end up being out, Sawchuck and Barnes are definitely going to be value plays that you can turn to. And then lastly, in terms of the, the 5K and below value plays, um, there are a few that do interest me. Phil Maffa, if Will Shipley ends up missing um, and he's seen the full share of touches in the Clemson backfield, could be pretty solid, but that Notre Dame defense is really stout, so um, just play that one at your own risk. But if he is getting all the touches without Shipley, then he's probably going to be pretty interesting. Um, but you do have Kalon Black of JMU uh, in this range. You've got Le'Veon Moss of Texas A&M in this range. Le'Veon Moss killed everybody last week by being a late scratch. Um, again, beat reporters like just report injuries. It drives me crazy how there's a lack of injury reporting in college football. But when Le'Veon Moss was healthy, he was the workhorse in this Texas A&M backfield. He's definitely in play if he is active. Um, and then below that, Rocket Sanders of Arkansas is questionable. Look, if Rocket Sanders is active, $4,900 is a bargain for that guy. Like he gets a lot of carries when he's active. He was really, really good last season for Arkansas. And, and if he does end up playing, I think he's a bargain at 4,900. Rashad Dubinion is his backup also at 4,900 if he does not end up playing. All right, that does it for the running back position. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some wide receivers. All right, so now switching on over our view to the wide receiver position, I definitely think this is the position where there's the most value on play at the board. Um, you know, really with the salaries being, you know, kind of low across the board, I definitely think you don't have to dip down too low, but this is the position where I'm willing to dip down low more than quarterback and running back. All right, so looking at the top of the board, we got Marvin Harrison Jr., which should come as no surprise. He's just insane. Like he's the best wide receiver prospect I've seen in a long time, like probably since Calvin Johnson back when I was in middle school. Um, Marvin Harrison, like I can't say enough about how good he is. Can't say enough about how good his workload is. He's got at least 11 targets in his last four games, at least 25 fantasy points in his last four games. And with the injuries and the weird usage and all the other stuff, he's the only Ohio State wide receiver that I'm considering. Also, I will say I'm willing to play Marvin Harrison Jr. as a runoff and to not stack him with Kyle McCord. Pretty much much we've seen Marvin Harrison Jr. have ceiling games this season, you know, really pretty much the last four games in a row, have ceiling games without Kyle McCord getting to value. And so if Marvin Harrison Jr. can get to value without McCord getting to value, then that's a situation where you can definitely play Marvin Harrison Jr. without Kyle McCord. You can play him as a one-off. If you get cheaper elsewhere with the rest of your lineup, he's definitely a guy that you can fit in. And I think he's an elite cash game play because of that high floor that he has. Now, Ricky Pearsall is an interesting case study because he's been pretty good for Florida this year, right? He hasn't scored under double-digit fancy points all season long, which is an impressive stat in its own right, but he's actually been kind of outshined in the last three weeks. I think it's a little bit of a misprice by DraftKings, but in the last three weeks, Eugene Wilson has outscored 
uh, Ricky Pearsall in two of the last three weeks, and those really weren't even all that close. Wilson is top 20 fantasy points in both those games where he outscored Ricky Pearsall. So Eugene Wilson might be the guy in this Florida Gators receiving court at target. And he's another guy that, like Marvin Harrison Jr., I think you can play him unstacked with Graham Mertz because we just saw against Georgia, he had 11 catches and 24 fantasy points without Graham Mertz hitting value. So he's definitely a guy that you can play unstacked as a one-off. On the Arkansas side of things, Andrew Armstrong is kind of like Ricky Pearsall light version. Um, he does have a very high floor. Um, the last game against Mississippi State where Arkansas forgot how to play offense was the only game where he's been held to single-digit fantasy points. And he's just pretty solid in terms of the workload that he gets in this Arkansas passing game. He's probably the only Arkansas guy I would consider. Now, FSU is an interesting one. So you got to monitor this FSU receiving core. You got to monitor the injury situation of Johnny Wilson. Um, Because if Johnny Wilson is able to play, that affects things a lot. Because Keon Coleman, in the two games where Johnny Wilson was out, was absolute dynamite. In the two games that Johnny Wilson sat, Keon Coleman had 25.6 fancy points against Wake and 32 fancy points against Syracuse. When Wilson plays, it's much more up and down right? That you can have the 25-point game against Clemson. You can have the 42-point game against LSU, but you also got the 5.2 against Virginia Tech. So Keon Coleman is a lock for lineups for me if Johnny Wilson sits. If Johnny Wilson plays, I think Coleman is still in play, but I definitely wouldn't advise playing both of them. Um, I think you kind of have to make your stand with Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson. Jaheim Bell, the tight end, uh, has seen a lot of work lately. Even though he was not great against Wake, his usage is trending in the right direction. He's very affordable at only $5,000. I wouldn't consider any other Florida State wide receivers. Like their situation to shine with Johnny Wilson out, like there was an opportunity there and none of them really took advantage of it. So I'm probably out on the rest of the Florida State receiving core until one of them actually shows me something. Now let's talk about the Georgia-Missouri game. So Luther Burden of Missouri is probably the highest floor receiving option in all of college football DFS. He's got one four-point fantasy game against Kentucky where, if I'm not mistaken, I think he left that game early. But other than that, every game he's played has been over 20 fantasy points. That's kind of crazy. And it's because of just the insane workload that he gets. Like, he gets double-digit targets pretty much every single week. And so even though the matchup is tough against Georgia, if Missouri's behind and they're throwing and they have to keep force-feeding it to lose their burden and he gets you eight or nine catches, even if it's only like... I don't know, 60 to 70 yards, that's still going to be a decent, decent day out of him, um, especially if he gets in the end zone. So Luther, Luther Burden is definitely a guy that I'm willing to go with this week here in this Missouri offense. He's probably the only Missouri skill player that I'm considering. Now on the Georgia side of things, the question was asked last week by me, who is going to step up and replace the production of Brock Bowers? Well, it was Lad McConkey who came through with six catches, 135 yards, 28 fantasy points in the first full game without Brock Bowers. Lad McConkey is now fully healthy without Brock Bowers. He is now this receiving course alpha and DraftKings did not get the memo that kept him at only $5,800. He's a guy that definitely is going to be in some of my lineups this week. You've also got another interesting angle. Dominic Lovett was pretty good last week as well, four for 83, 12.3 fantasy points without scoring a touchdown. And this is a revenge game for Dominic Lovett. He was a transfer from Missouri in this offseason. So it would not shock me if they got in the red zone to, you know, kind of throw it Lovett's way a few times, see if they can't get him in the end zone against his former team. So definitely Lovett and McConkie are in play for me. Oscar Delp is the backup tight end. DraftKings got him at $4,400. But my comparison last week could not have been more spot on. It's like when Travis Kelsey gets hurt and you're playing Noah Gray. 
Oscar Delp is not Brock Bowers. He's going to be on the field. He's going to get some targets, but do not expect Brock Bowers' production out of him. Now, after that, let's talk about some one-offs that we can play, um, you know, kind of outside of, you know, full receiver rooms or outside of game stacks. Uh, for Texas, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell were both pretty good last week um, against BYU, even with Malik Murphy at quarterback. I don't think both of them are going to be able to get to value, but I definitely think one of them will, and I definitely think the passing game goes through those two guys. Jamari Thrash for Louisville is a guy that I can definitely play as a one-off, though. We've talked about all season long how the wide receiver won um, just and Jeff Brom's offense absolutely thrives. They love to just, you know, feed the ball to one wide receiver and just let him keep eating. And Jamari Thrash has got at least nine targets in his last three games. Even though he only has one touchdown combined in those last three games, it's still been three pretty solid stat lines. And so I definitely think Jamari Thrash is a guy that he's due for a touchdown. And he, with the workload he's seeing, he can definitely be in your lineups. All right, now we can talk about a full game wide receiver situation. So let's talk about JMU and Georgia State. This is this is juicy. So Georgia State very much features one wide receiver, uh, Robert Lewis. He is their alpha. He is their guy. He has multiple games this season where he has gotten to over 20 fantasy points. He is the guy for Georgia State that you want to play. All right. Now for James Madison. DraftKings has messed up their pricing. The last time James Madison was on a slate, DraftKings messed up their pricing again. It was one of the midweek slates. Um, and they're still messed up. Um, Reggie Brown is really good. Um, he has been at least 27 fantasy points in his last two games, 65 total fantasy points in those last two games, um, and he is priced at only $5,000. Eli Surratt is also really good. He's priced at only $4,800. He is averaging 100 yards receiving in his last four games. Um, and to me, they can be played in game stacks, out of game stacks. Both those guys are in play. Both those guys are going to be pretty popular. So if you're looking for a pivot, like a guy on this team that maybe if Brown and Surratt don't get there, this guy gets there, would be Phoenix Sproles, who um, is the third receiver, plays the third most snaps behind um Surratt and Brown. Um, he's actually averaging five catches over his last three games. Had, did not score a touchdown in those three games. So if he gets you a few catches, gets a touchdown, $3,700 on DraftKings, he's a guy that could definitely be a big-time value play and also give you big-time leverage if Brown and Surratt do end up failing because I'm pretty confident that Brown and Surratt are going to be pretty popular. Now for some value plays, let's talk about this Oklahoma and Oklahoma State game real quick. So for Oklahoma, long term, I'm probably the most bullish on Jaleel Farouk out of the receivers. Um, he's a guy that they will get him the ball in the backfield. They will get him the ball in situations where he can get you know loose after the catch. Had a really good game against Texas, really impressed me in that game with what he does. So he's the guy I probably like the most long term, but... They look pretty determined in the games I've watched to get Gavin Freeman involved and get him some touches. He doesn't play a big snap share, but when he's out there, he gets design touches. He gets screens. He gets jet sweeps. You know, he they get this guy the ball when he plays. Um, and so if he does break off a long touchdown at only $3,700, you know, that's a guy that can definitely give you a lot of salary relief. And so Gavin Freeman is a guy that I would be a little bit interested in um, this week at only $3,700. Now, on the Oklahoma State side of things, Braylon Presley, or Brendan Presley, excuse me, his brother is Braylon. Brennan Presley 
Is their alpha, their wide receiver one, um, 20 fantasy points in his last three. No problem going to him. Rashad Owens has also been like the 1B in the last three weeks. You know, he was a big-time chalk play um, in week seven against Kansas. Got 23 fantasy points, helped everybody who played him out big time. Um, he's another guy that I would consider. But last week, Jaden Bray missed the game um, that they played last week against Cincinnati. And Leon Johnson came through and got the start. Five catches, 149 yards, um, 22.9 fantasy points on DraftKings, 11 targets in that game. So if Jaden Bray is out again, I definitely think you can go to Leon Johnson. He's only $4,500. That's a very affordable price tag, especially if the guy is going to get 11 targets. And I could see him being pretty popular this week if we get the news on Jaden Bray early. If it's a game time decision for Jaden Bray, then I could see ownership being a little bit down on Johnson because he's really a guy you only want to play if Jaden Bray is going to be out. Now, Texas A&M is an interesting one also, another team we got to talk about because Evan Stewart has been their wide receiver one for the start of the season and when they were playing with Connor Weigman. But ever since uh, Max Johnson has been the starter, Anaya Smith has just been better. Last week, he had six for 118 and a touchdown against South Carolina. Um, and if he's going to be the wide receiver one and this game ends up shooting out, Anaya Smith is the receiver that I want in my lineups as opposed to Evan Stewart. Lastly, last situation, and this is another one you can go to for some value this week. Mitchell Evans of Notre Dame having a great season. Notre Dame is just, they're tight end university, man. Like, you know, just going from Tommy Tremble, Michael Mayer, just all these guys they turn out at the tight end position. That, that's, if I'm a tight end that's getting recruited, that's probably where I would want to go to school. Anyway, that's beside the point. Mitchell Evans was having a great year, and he is now out for the season. So more targets got to go elsewhere in the Notre Dame offense. I think that benefits Jaden Thomas. They're kind of true number one wide receiver, and I really think it benefits the two backup tight ends. Holden stays is probably going to play the most snaps. Um, he had a really big game against NC State out of nowhere and really kind of has been quiet since then. But if he's going to play in the Mitchell Evans role, $4,100 is a very reasonable price tag. And then Davis Sherwood, who is actually from um, Greensboro, which is pretty close to where I'm at. Um, he's a guy who could also be um, figuring to play a little bit of snaps at tight end. Hasn't played since week two, but if they do... Um, move Sherwood into the Holden stage role, then maybe you know he gets a lucky touchdown. Maybe he sees a little bit of increased snaps as well. It's just a, a guy that $3,500, uh, if you play a lot, a lot of lineups, then he might be worth a dart throw in some of them. All right, that does it for the wide receiver position. And that does it for this episode of this College Football Week 10 DFS preview and picks. Like I said earlier, if you want more from me, follow me on X at Mike's Money Picks. Link for the Fancy Corner Discord is in the description. And I got my full slate articles for all of the college football slates and all of the college basketball slates available on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. So if you like what you saw in this episode, please hit the like button. Y'all, I'm trying to grow this YouTube channel. Those likes help the videos get noticed. I really do appreciate it. It helps me out a lot. We're also approaching 200 subscribers. So if you hit that subscribe button, it really does help me out a lot. I really want to get that milestone of 200 um, sometime before the end of the month saying this on November 1st. So I got 30 days to get there, but I would really like to get there before the end of the month. And I would really appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when all of our new episodes drop, like college football, our new college basketball episodes, and NFL and golf weekly as well. All right, so that does it for this episode, y'all. Hopefully I was able to get you guys some information that is going to help you win some money in college football DFS this week. Best of luck to everybody. Um, hope, you, hope you guys have a profitable week and I will see you next time. 